welcome to episode 5 of Complementary Training Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Jesse Green and Nicholas Murray, who are both physical performance and sports science PhD students at Brisbane Lions Australian Football Club in Australia. We are talking about their experience at Brisbane Lions, as well as their recommendation in landing such a job. Their experiences and recommendations will be interesting to all students and graduates willing to start their career in high-performance sports. I want to thank Jesse and Nicholas, as well as our sponsors, for making this episode possible. Enjoy the listening. Smarterbase is a truly unique athlete data management solution for pro teams, colleges, Olympic sports, the military, performing arts and research. Smarterbase encapsulates the ability to integrate all forms of data from many different sources of technology such as GPS, Omega Wave, Elite Form and many others. It has unparalleled reporting features, offering the user access to any data in the system within three clicks of the mouse. Most importantly, it is a customizable platform that you develop based on your needs and workflows for your data. With support teams based in the USA, UK and Australia, Smarterbase is in over 150 organisations in more than 10 countries. If interested, email info at fusionsport.com. Hello and welcome to Complementary Training Podcast. In this episode, I'm talking to Jesse Green and Nicholas Murray. Uh, they are both PhD scholarship students at Brisbane Lions, Australian football club. Hello, Jesse and Nicholas, and welcome to the show. Hi, man. How's it going? Awesome. Thanks, thanks, for, uh, thanks for taking your time to you know, chat with me about you know, experience and, 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 uh, and, and your role at Brisbane Lions. So, um, for, for the listeners, can you provide some insight about your you know, current role uh, or current roles uh, at Brisbane Lions? Uh, yeah, no worries, Maladin. Um, so, I'm well, yeah, one, one of the two PhD students here, uh, and I'll probably take care of a fair bit of the the GPS, the sports science and the, the training load uh, kind of aspects that we look at in our program here. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the stuff the stuff I'm doing. Um, Jesse, if you want to say what you're up to. Yeah, so I'm sort of doing a similar role in terms of a little bit of uh, load management across the RPE sides of things. Also looking at um, the counter-movement jump analysis that we do for fatigue monitoring as well as a, uh, a few other metrics that we, um, that we collect such as diaries and all that kind of thing. So... Yeah, I'm spread uh, quite a bit across the program. I do a little bit with the physios as well and a little bit of, um, of strength coaching too. What about the academy or, or the younger boys if you have those? Uh, yeah, in uh, I think it was the 2014 or 15 season, I was a strength coach for uh, the academy. So I had a little bit to do with them then, but um, I've moved on from that role now. And um, yeah, just working with the senior team now. So how do you find, say, difference of working as a you know sports scientist uh, as opposed to working as a strength conditioning coach? Um, I find, oh, it's difficult to say, sort of, as the industry, I believe, that those two roles are moving closer together. I believe that sports science and strength coaching and strength conditioning coaching is sort of becoming one role, and I think that the differences are more hands-on work with, with strength conditioning coaching, um, and then sort of the sports science is more behind the scenes, data analysis uh, and interpretation, and then sort of applying that in the field as well. I, I mean, I do agree. Um, I do agree that you need to, you know, develop all these skills, uh, analytical skills and uh, and all that stuff. But we also, 
more and more clubs are getting into this position of a you know performance manager who has you know general picture of all these skills and all these tasks. Uh, but we still, because of the complexity of the job, we still need to you know in, uh, do the you know have the people who are specializing you know certain roles. But I definitely agree that uh, uh, most of them needs to be familiar with each other uh, role. So. Can you can you tell us more about say the you know staff structure at Brisbane? Uh, yeah, so we have our high performance manager uh, Damien, who oversees the whole program. Uh, so he's responsible for uh, lots of our training, our training planning, so our pre-season and then our in-season programs. He's in charge of that, and then he's got a bit of a broad overview over the rest of the program. So. We also have a couple of uh, strength coaches, uh, one full-time and one part-time. Uh, and we also have a, re- a rehab coach uh, and a full-time dietitian, as well as Jess and I as the two kind of PhDs to complement the group. Yeah, it's, it's quite similar across the clubs in Australian Football League. Um, and you, you just had a bye week. Uh, so can you tell to our you know, non-Australian listeners what, what, what the bye week is and when I went, when when I came to Australia, there's a lot of terminology that I had to pick up. So uh, bye week was one of them. Can you can you tell us what it is? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, so during our so we have a 23 round uh, competitive season before finals, and so every team uh, in the middle of the season has a bye week where they have the or a certain amount of teams have the week off uh, and they don't have to play. Uh, so that's that's the bye week. So we just had our our bye week this week. Um, so the boy, boys have had four or five days away from the club to go back home and, and catch up with their family and have a bit of a, bit of time away from the club to refresh and, and regroup for the rest of the year. Uh, are there some clubs using a bye week to say increase the load rather than you know provide um, you know recovery and you know mental break for the players? Yeah, I think some some are. I think that's that's provided by particularly the guys who live a little bit longer away. They're given extra time off to get away from the club. Um, but in saying that, I think it is. Is also important whilst there's a, a strong need to refresh mentally and physically. I still think uh, there's a case for keeping a little bit of, of load into the boys as they're away um, and in the, the kind of lower week that the bye week is. What was interesting to me um, in Australia is that a uh, uh, players' uh, union was, you know, quite um, quite influential on you know making calendar changes and 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 schedule. Um, so. For example, uh, we had we had one one day off um, described uh, exactly on a, on, a, on a given day. Say Tuesday was a day off, regardless of the you know game day. So it could be Saturday, it could be Sunday, but Tuesday was always day off, and that was demanded by a players' union, which is you know quite interesting to me coming from from Europe. Uh, do you have same same situation in your club? Yeah, yeah. So as you said, there's a lot of. Um Influence that the uh, the players' association has on the schedule, but um, obviously that's uh, uniform across the whole competition. It's just up to you know the different high performance managers at different clubs to uh, determine how they how they plan around that and uh, how we sort of get load into the boys in the gym and out on the track on a week to week basis. So it does pose a challenge, but um, everyone's got the same challenge. So I guess it still remains a level playing field in that respect. Yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, differences in, in culture such as, you know, such as those between sports and between, say, uh, countries and, you know, continents. So it was quite quite interesting, you know, to, for me to figure that out. 
anyway, this is your first high performance job for both of you. Um, can you share your experiences and recommendations for uh, students and graduates uh, regarding you know landing such a position? Uh, yeah, so for me, it started with a undergrad degree uh, in sports science, followed by an honours year uh, under Tim Gabbard at ACU in Brisbane. Uh, then from there, I guess kind of got a bit of a taste for uh, research and I always had a bit of a thirst or, or want to work in high-performance sport. Uh, so after my honours year, it seemed like the, the logical pro progression to go for a PhD scholarship uh, at the Brisbane Lions Football Club. And me, I'm a, a Brisbane boy so and supported the Lions all my life, so it seemed like a good fit uh, to go for something like that. Um, so I guess I, I kind of went down the road of a PhD because I was interested uh, in doing research and kind of contributed, contributing to the body of literature. So that's how I ended up getting to the lines is through, through a PhD opportunity. How does your experience differ from um, you know, expectations um, of working in those positions? So, you know, when, when you start, started studying, you had some, some of the ideas of what working in those positions might like imply and how does that differ now? Uh, yeah, so I, I guess every, uh, I, was, I was a lot of young boys who enjoy sport growing up, kind of it's a bit of a dream that if you can't be an athlete, you want to work with athletes in, in some respect. So I guess I kind of thought it was a bit of a bit of a glamour job uh, working in high performance sport um, and working for a professional team and thought, thought it was quite cool and all about getting getting the track suit and, and going to game day and sitting on the bench and all that kind of stuff. But as soon as you get into the club and, and you start your role and do your job day to day, uh, you realise that it's actually a, a lot of hard work and a lot of the time it's not not pretty. Um, yeah, and it, it does demand a, a lot of you to, to keep up with the pace and, and to keep on top of your, your day to day and your week to week tasks. Um, so it's definitely not, not as glamorous as I thought it would be, but, but still very enjoyable in other aspects. And how does uh, Nicholas differ on, on his viewpoints? Yeah, so basically, um, this is Jesse speaking, by the way. Um, oh, I'll just give you a quick rundown on um, on my background. I'm actually a boy from SA, so I went to high school in Adelaide and then I uh, went to university at Bond University down the Gold Coast. Um, so I did my undergrad in sports science there and also completed an honours year under Chris McClellan down at uh, Bond. And uh, similarly, I uh, had a passion for the research and thought that um, the next sort of the next step uh, in my career for sort of where I wanted to go was to complete a PhD and uh, luckily there was a position available at the uh, the Brisbane Lions that um, involved a bit of rehab stuff and a bit of strength work as well so I thought I'd take that opportunity and um, yeah, this is my third season now. So same, same question for you Jesse, um, you know, how does your experience differ from, you know, from your expectations? Um, yeah, similarly in the sense because I'm a uh, boy from South Australia, we uh, AFL was quite big down there, as I'm sure you know. So it was actually it was um, yeah, quite exciting when I landed the role. And similarly to Nick, I thought it was quite a glamour job that um, you know you hang out with all the players, and it's um, quite a high-profile job. But um, as you mentioned earlier, I was in my first year. One of my roles was to clean protein shakers, so it's not all uh, the glitz and glam that uh, people might expect. But um, obviously, your roles develop, and as you learn more, you gain more responsibility and, um, yeah, so it gets better with time, I'd say. Um, you know, a question for both of you is that um, um, when it comes to skills, um, you know, what skills are needed to land such a position and, you know, how do you get connected, how do you get invited to those positions and how do you get recognised in the field? Um, I definitely think one of the attributes you have to have to work in high-performance sport is a hard work ethic. 
obviously the schedules are sort of based around football and around um, weekends and certain sessions. So you have to be willing to work quite hard um, throughout the whole week and any sort of hours that the, the schedule implies. In terms of um, getting connections and getting connected, I think that that starts, starts at university. You need to sort of you know, ask questions and make a name for yourself in the sense that you're passionate about, about the field and lecturers and um, sort of the research fellows at your university will notice. Um, make sure you go to them and ask questions and, yeah, hopefully those uh, connections that you make through your university uh, personnel can help you in landing a high-performance job. And Nicholas, you know, how about you? What, what are your opinions about this? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree. I think you need to have a pretty strong work ethic to keep on top of things, particularly if you are going down a, a PhD scholarship role uh, because you, you have your, your day-to-day responsibilities at the footy club uh, as your job and then you have your PhD and your research on top of that uh, along with your writing. So you do need to, to work hard and have a pretty good work ethic and be pretty intrinsically driven to stay on top of that constantly. Um, you can, you can get, get into a bit of a slog at times, but a lot of those times you kind of remember why you're doing it. Um, but I think outside of that, probably a big thing is to be uh, very teachable uh, and to, to soak in a lot from the people around you. I think that, that personally uh, I've learnt so much um, knowledge from the, the people that you work with and the people you interact with from, from other clubs uh, on a day-to-day and a week-to-week basis. Uh, so I think it's a really good thing to be to be very teachable and to, to listen a lot to what people have to say, particularly people who, who know a lot more than you in the field. So the I would say people's skills are are really important. Uh, but when it comes to like specific skills, like say uh, sports science skills, um, such as analytics, data visualization, and, and you know maybe having experience as a strength conditioning coach, coaching someone, or actually playing footy on your way up. Um, you know what? What? What would you find um, helpful? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, particularly I'll speak on the sports science side because that's probably where I do the bulk of my work. Um, I think having a really sound uh, research base uh, and evidence based approach uh, is quite important. So for me, that that was re- reading a lot, reading a lot early on uh, in my career to to get a bit of a grounding in sports science and into evidence based practice. First off, and then once you've got that that grounding, I think it's important to then be able to to analyse data in, in a meaningful way and in a way that is actually going to be used at the football club and in a research sense. Because there's no there's no point in just collecting data for the for the sake of collecting data. Everything's got to be very question driven. And I, I guess if you're not solving a question or if you're not making a difference with your data, there's there's no point in doing it. Uh, and I guess that ties in with a little bit of your data visualisation stuff. You need to be able to, to present it to coaches and to players in a way that is simple and makes sense to them um, because that, that's where you need to get your biggest buy-in from as, as a sports scientist, I think. Yeah, I cannot agree more. Uh, what about you, Jesse? What, what, what do you think, you know, what, what are the skills, you know, specific skills needed? Oh, uh, yeah, similar to um, Nick's views in the sports science sector, I'll speak about sort of the, the coaching side of things that I've done a bit in is that you really do have to listen to people that um, do know a lot more than you and that'll help you, I guess, develop your own sort of coaching strategies because um, I'm a firm believer that coaching is an art and that there's not one sort of coaching technique that's going to apply and that's going to be reproducible amongst a whole list of athletes. So you have to adapt on a daily basis to different athletes in different situations, whether it be 
on the track or in the gym and different players are going through different situations of the world that you have to tailor to. So now that we're getting sort of more research and the literature base regarding street conditioning is getting larger and larger and evidence-based practices is also important in that respect. So, yeah. Thanks. Uh, so if you could, what would you change on your, on, in your path? Uh, you know, as, as all, all of us, we probably did, um, you know, make, make errors and if so, what did you learn from, you know, making those errors and what would you do differently? Uh, I guess quite early when I was sort of in my first season or two, I was, um, I was quite quiet and sort of reserved and did a lot of listening but not a lot of questioning. So I definitely think um, as advice for anyone in the industry would, to be, would be to, if you're not quite sure or if you're sort of want to investigate further is to ask questions, ask people that know much more than you in certain areas, reach out to those people to, um, you know, to figure out their reasoning behind things. And as I said, that will help you develop your own sort of philosophy and your own coaching style and your own sort of sports science opinions. And Nick, what would you change? Uh, I think for me probably early on kind of in my, in my career, particularly through, through undergrad uh, and maybe even through my honours year, moving PhD, I probably didn't have a, a clear enough picture of where I wanted to go. Uh, I think if I could go back, uh, well, I would have told myself back then to, to have a clear idea and a clear direction and path to, to where I wanted to go as to not, not beat around the bush and, and uh, as a way to really focus focus me in on what, what's important uh, and what's important on, on moving me forward in my career, uh, both research-wise and professionally. What do you guys expect from you know from the future? How do, how do you see your position uh, evolving and... And your role evolving, you know, once once you get the PhDs and and you know, you know, what what do you plan doing? Um, I'm not too sure. That's quite a forward question, but um, I see sort of um, as I mentioned earlier, the sort of the fields of strength and conditioning coaching and sports science sort of uh, becoming more and more linked. Um, so I'd like to see myself as um, sort of moving forward as to assisting in that sort of transition or bridging that gap between coaching and science, I guess. Um, by sort of specialising in a certain area and becoming quite familiar in that area and then becoming quite employable in that specific area, whether it be fatigue uh, monitoring or load management or something like that that I haven't uh, 100% decided in yet. But, um, Nick? Uh, yeah, I think for me, I'm quite fortunate in my role at the club uh, is that the, the sports science work I do aligns quite closely with the, the research I'm doing through my PhD. Um so that's, that's quite good for me is I can kind of hit, hit two birds with one stone a little bit. Um, but I think moving forward for me and for the club and for the, the industry as a whole, I think a, a lot of people are moving towards uh, a lot of your, your injury prediction models and, and your, your high-level analytic type work. Um, so I think that's, that's probably something that I would like to, to continue down the path of is to continue, I guess, being able to find, find answers or solutions to these complex uh, load injury issues or, or questions that, that we have in the industry at the moment. Uh, I think that's going to be quite a big thing moving forward. And it'll be good to be a part of that, I reckon. It's a great. Um, yeah, for the last question, uh, as usual, and this is quite, quite uh, you know, a general conclusion, uh, you know, where do you go and find more applied information? Uh, you know, what are you currently reading? You know, what, what do you suggest uh, uh, students and, you know, graduates to read and, you know, who are you following on, on Twitter or Facebook and, you know, 
where to gain more information? Um, myself, I tend to um, do quite a bit of browsing across um, some quite popular journals, whether that be JSCR, RGSPP, MSSE, these kinds of journals that, um, and British Journal as well that uh, tend to release uh, quite a lot of the sort of the, I guess, the bulk of the groundbreaking literature in the area of sports science and strength conditioning. Um, especially in the uh, in the field of uh, injury prevention and load management and that kind of thing, which I think is going to become infinitely important going forward. So, I think for uh, for young individuals is to definitely um, find these researchers, find these papers, and sort of um, scour through them. And if you don't understand, sort of read further on those parts you don't understand to um, yeah to gain sort of an overall picture of where the where the literature is currently at, and you can sort of follow it on from there once you have a base sort of uh, pool of knowledge, I guess, in the area. And how about you, Nick? Uh, yeah, I think that, it, that if you're an undergrad student particularly, I think it's good to, to find out uh, who at, at your university or, or who you have access to that has been in the field and has worked in the field previously. Uh, lots of the, the lecturers and, and associate professors and professors at, at unis have been where we are before um, have kind of taken the footsteps before us. So and have lots of wisdom from their journey and their path and what they've done. So I think it's quite good to, to source them out um, and to go and chat to them and, and chat to people who have been in the fields that you're interested in, in getting into because and, and, usually they have a, a lot of contacts in that field. Um, yeah, so the biggest thing I'd recommend is actually seeking people out and having conversations and asking questions of those people uh, in terms of, of who I'm following on Twitter, um, probably my, my favourite person to follow on Twitter is my PhD supervisor, Tim, Tim Gabbard, and I think he's uh, got a lot of quality research coming out uh, at the moment on, on load injury stuff and some, some new concepts like our acute stuff and, and that kind of stuff. I, I find that stuff quite interesting. I think that's a, a pretty good place to start. Yeah, I, I follow Tim and I, you know, I really, really appreciate his work. It's, it's a must must read for sports scientists, uh, um, you know, must read for sports science and, yeah, and it's really pushing the, I would say the limits and, you know, really, really pushing the, um, application of, you know, statistics in, into sport. And he's, you know, he's providing such a tremendous amount of applied, um, recommendations. So I also highly recommend following, uh, Tim, Tim on Twitter and reading his research. Uh, can, can you guys pinpoint to, uh, say, a, a particular book or particular, um, as Nick said, you know, particular person that you find the most influential on, on, on your viewpoint and on your work? Um, from a strength perspective, I've read um, quite a bit of Brian Mann stuff, quite a bit of Cal Dietz, um, and these kind of guys that sort of pull their, uh, their ideas together to further the field. Um, I'm a firm believer in that if you have sort of uh, if you've got research or you've got ideas to put them forward and uh, further the research. Um, in terms of the sports science side of things, um, definitely Tim Gabbard and his uh, research group out of, uh, out of ACU are definitely, um, definitely furthering the field in terms of, you know, load injury relationships and this kind of thing. So um, if I had to yeah, deadline one book, then I'd probably say, yeah, what I'm currently reading is Brian Mann's uh, velocity-based training sort of uh, books, which are, I find quite applicable to to AFL, considering it is an explosive sport. Um, but yeah, that's that's my views. Nick, what about you? you? I mean, you already mentioned Tim, but uh, what about the you know 
the book that you find really applied or something that really shaped your viewpoint? Yeah, I think probably uh, it's a reasonably stock standard book now, but the, the High Performance Training for Sports um, by Joycey, I think that's quite a, is a pretty good starting point to lay reasonably solid uh, foundations uh, around a, a range of different sports science and strength and conditioning topics. So that's probably one I'd, I'd strongly recommend for someone coming up uh, or looking to get into the field. Thanks, Nick, and, and thank Jesse. Uh, thanks for taking your time to answer the questions, and good luck uh, you know, for, the re- for the rest of the season. No worries. Thanks for the opportunity, man. Thanks, man.